Hey everyone, thanks for swinging by. This is View From Below, I'm Lance. This week we got a lot to talk about, from wrestling to movies to conflict of the law regarding a video game that I was particularly interested in getting involved with. Some box office disappointment has the future of the Star Wars franchise up in the air and much more. So with that being said, let's dive in. Before I get started, I want to mention that I decided that from this episode forward, I'm going to be recommending either an album or a movie uh, per episode, most likely both, Um, but they'll be of all different genres and different um, areas geographically, not just North American and not just hardcore, of course. So this week, the album that I'm recommending is My Modeling Career by Camera Obscura. Camera Obscura is a band from Glasgow, Scotland. They started in the late 90s and they put out five full-length albums. Uh, really, really enjoy this music. It's very um, upbeat and fun, happy, very, very, very much summer music. So I'd recommend checking that out. If I was to recommend a specific song off this album, I'd say Sweetest Thing. Movie-wise, I'm going to recommend a movie that I recently saw called The Transfiguration. It made his rounds on the indie circuit. It's really, really good. It's a sort of horror movie, um, kind of like more of a thriller, following a young boy, presumably a young teenager, probably like 14 or so. And the entire premise is he's a vampire, but it's not like in movies where vampires turn into bats and stuff like that. It's He lives in project housing, and he's like lower class, Uh, lives with his brother, doesn't have any parents, and literally just kind of walks around and uh, kills people and, you know, does the whole vampire thing. It's really weird. He kind of um, fixates on vampire movies and uh, the literature that the creature's based off of, like on Rice novels and whatnot. He uh, meets a girl and sort of keeps harping on this whole vampire thing around her. And she's kind of weirded out, but she's also, like, from a broken home. And it's it's a really good movie. It's not, like, over-the-top scary. It's more just interesting and very, very well-paced. And it's 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 a good movie. Uh, I definitely recommend it. So, yeah, that movie is The Transfiguration. All right, moving on. Uh, so, Northern Breed Hardcore Fest is going to be taking place November 16th, that weekend. Uh, it's going to be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The venue will be announced very soon. I have that all on lock, and I'm going to get a few of the bands to sort of um, give me permission to go ahead and announce officially the date as well as uh, some of the lineup and the venue, like the locations. So that'll all be out in the coming weeks, um, ideally before July, and tickets will be available very soon. But yeah, like I said, late mid to late November is when that's taking place, so there's plenty of time to... Make arrangements, make travel arrangements, book work off, um, whatever you got to do to get there. Get there. It's going to be great. This year, all the money is going to be donated to Harmony House, which is a local charity geared towards aiding women who are victims of abuse. So I feel very good about that. I'm excited to be able to um, do business with that charity and that cause. It's something I feel very strongly about, and I'm very excited that I get to once again sort of use my know-how when it comes to promoting and booking to do some good and uh, financially assist a local charity like this. 
Next up, I want to talk about a video game that I haven't yet got. Uh, it's been a game for the last year or so I've really wanted to get, but I was waiting for all of the content to be out for it before I buy it because it is, well, solely based online, and that game is Friday the 13th. So in Friday the 13th, of course, you play Jason Voorhees or a counselor. Each round, it's, I think, seven counselors and one person plays Jason. Uh, of course, you have to go around and find different ways of escaping with your life if you're a counselor. If you're Jason, obviously, your uh, motive is pretty simple. It's to kill all the counselors. It's it's a really fun multiplayer, uh, sort of like stadium versus type game uh, with a lot of puzzles and like st strategy to be used. And it, it's fun. And, of course, there's ways to get the upper hand on Jason. But then Jason, of course, is extremely overpowered. So this game came out last year. It's been out and put out... Um, constant content for the most part since its release you get new counselors new maps new new skins for jason etc uh one thing i was waiting for though is the story mode to be released because there were they were going to do an offline story mode um not exactly sure how that was going to work but now it's looking like if i want to get the game i may as well just get it now because that is not necessarily going to be a possibility it's actually definitely not a possibility as it's been announced that Friday the 13th will not be putting out any new content for this game. Uh, that's due to a legal dispute between Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller. Victor Miller is the writer of the original film, and Sean Cunningham is the director of the original film. They've had a dispute where, I guess, Victor Miller wasn't technically employed on the set of Friday the 13th 1 when he was writing the script for it. So he's claiming that he has ownership of it. Uh, he's mad that he's not getting residual and uh, any sort of money compensation from the future franchise's, I guess, residual income, which uh, I can kind of understand the frustration there. But at the same time, if you are a fan of the series, you would know that the first movie is solely based on Jason Voorhees' mom. Jason's not even in it. It's not... Anything like the rest of the franchise ended up being, Victor Cunningham kind of did go on to make the rest of the franchise uh, built solely around Jason and turn it, in, it, turn it into the beast that it became. So I don't necessarily think that Victor Miller deserves all of that money. He deserves some type of compensation, absolutely, if he wasn't paid for you know, getting the ball rolling. But he doesn't have any claim to the Jason Voorhees character or the pos the popularity that this franchise went on to gain uh because the first movie is you could take like you take the first movie out of the franchise and it works it, it the first movie I skip when we watch all of Friday the 13th I don't watch it uh, I watch the movies with Jason Jason is the franchise Jason is the face of the franchise Everybody likes the, the over-the-top, ridiculous, violent nature of Jason Voorhees and the creative kills and the shocking gore, and that's what the franchise is known for. It's not known for the original story of a mother that goes crazy over her child being killed and kills a bunch of camp counselors. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a weird non-issue in my eyes, but of course, obviously, I'm not involved in the court and I'm not a lawyer or anything like that so obviously there's more to it than that that's just at face value that's how I feel about it uh, I find it's frustrating as a fan of the franchise that we finally get a good game and as the new stuff is coming out for it it get it comes to a screeching halt because of some issue from literally 40 years ago um it's it's a piss off but what are you gonna do uh they were 
about to release a Jason X DLC package where you get Uber Jason, of course, the the futuristic half cyborg Jason Voorhees uh, model, I guess, or skin, as well as the in space map. I thought that would have been a blast, but I guess that would be included in this um, halt on all content being released. So that's that's very unfortunate for fans of the franchise, as well as people who have already bought the game. I mean, it's it's fi- it's $50 for the game, uh, Canadian. And when that first came out, I was like, no way. There's fucking no way I'm going to put 50 bucks into this game. Uh, I'm not sure if the content is included what as it comes out for the game. If it is, then I think now... After a year of those DLC packs, maybe it's worth that price tag, but uh, it, at first, absolutely not. So it, it does suck for those people that bought it expecting to get that solo uh, story, you know, game mode down the line. Or if people were stoked on like a Jason Goes to Hell or a Jason X skin or uh, game mode, it, it, it it's unfortunate for them. I think that's definitely uh, fucked up. And the whole franchise is on hold now because of this legal dispute. There's not going to be any more movies, no new games, no new game content for the already existing game. And as someone who's a big franchise uh, fan of the Friday the 13th series, I, it there's no other way to put it than it just fucking sucks. So now I'm going to dive into WWE a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to waste too much time on this because I know it's not for all of the listeners. So Money in the Bank just passed. Money in the Bank, of course, is the annual event in which... There is a multi-man ladder match, well, multi-person ladder match, as there was a women's one as well, where you are supposed to climb a ladder. Once you get to the top of the ladder, you pull down the briefcase, and then the briefcase contains a contract for a championship match at any time. You can cash it in whenever you want. It's a way for the Weasley villain, typically, to get the championship in a convincing manner rather than have someone like The Miz who he has all the talent in the world, but I wouldn't buy someone like The Miz beating Brock Lesnar straight up. Whereas if Brock Lesnar's all beat up from being attacked by however many people, he'd come down, cash in, hit his finisher, pin him, take the title off of him, and boom, that's perfect. The problem with this match is the the competitors in the match were Kevin Owens, who would thrive with the Money in the Bank contract. He's the villain, he's Weasley, he would be perfect with it. Uh, Braun Strowman, The Miz, Bobby Roode, who is in desperate need of a heel turn. I was really pulling for Bobby Roode to win it and then use it to cash in in a sort of like cowardly manner. And that could be his heel turn because he thrives as a heel. As a babyface, he is extremely annoying. Also in that match was Finn Balor and a few other people that I can't really remember right now. Uh, Kofi Kingston from The New Day as well. Now here's the thing with this match. All of the competitors could do with the Money in the Bank victory, uh, all of them would take the ball and run with it. Kevin Owens could do so many Weasley cowardly things with it. Bobby Roode could use it as a platform to turn heel. Uh, Finn Balor could use it to finally get his match in a way that's believable rather than, oh, he's earned it. We're going to put him against Lesnar because he can win. If he has the briefcase, he can just go, no, I'm going to face Lesnar. I have the contract make it happen, then boom, you don't need to have that build, you don't need to have Vince McMahon worry about if he's over, because storyline-wise, it makes sense, uh, New Day, New Day having the briefcase would be hilarious, they carry pancakes around in it, or Budio's cereal in the briefcase, uh, they could tease it for 
months. Like, they're just hilarious. It would be great. They could do a fun thing where they bounce around, like, who's going to be able to cash it in? And that could also, A, put the title on New Day, which would be amazing, and B, be the catalyst to sort of break that group up whenever the time does come. So I think that would be smart as well. Samoa Joe having the briefcase would be great in the same manner as Finn Balor, where he just goes, no, I want a match. I'm not going to attack you. Just straight up, we're having a match, and I'm going to beat you because Samoa Joe's a fucking wrecking machine. That would work. The Miz won money in the bank at one point and successfully cashed in and was champion for a long time, and it was great. So all of these people could use the victory, but they went with Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman's the guy who flips ambulances and rips down stage screens and throws people through walls and fucking flips, you know, flips transport trucks. Like, Braun Strowman is a fucking monster. It's like, he doesn't need that briefcase. You can build a convincing feud between Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar and convincingly have Braun Strowman go over. Like, you don't need the briefcase. You don't need... Braun Strowman had taken advantage on Brock Lesnar because every time they faced off, he manhandles them. It's a wasted opportunity. Seven other people could have done way more with it. And now Braun Strowman won. And like, okay, very good, I guess. I don't care. Not in the slightest. Um, I think it was a misstep, to say the least. I guess it's all but confirmed he's going to take the title, which is good. But necessarily... I think they could have done it without the briefcase as a storyline, like a plot device for the for the storyline. Um, really, really would have liked to see them put it on anybody else. Moving on, Big Cass, who is someone I think we were all expecting to do big things, no pun intended. This guy, he had the look, he's huge, he's strong, he's seven feet tall, he's beefy, he's fucking, he's just a big, imposing dude, great as a heel, just good. Um, just a good bully gimmick. He was great, good on the mic, just entertaining to say the least. He was released Tuesday afternoon. He's in the middle of a story angle with Daniel Bryan, which is a sign that they're going to do something with him. Like the, it, it, Bryan isn't a character that you feed opponents to. Bryan put, gets put in a match to be the underdog and then ultimately prevail, and then the fans like him, and that's it. So Big Cass presumably was supposed to go over Bryan, but something must have changed over the last few weeks. I've read random reports, but yeah, he wrestled Daniel Bryan at Money in the Bank on Sunday, got little to no offense in. Daniel Bryan just ran roughshod over him and won, uh, making Big Cass submit. A guy who's like two feet taller than Daniel Bryan made him tap out, which is just, I don't know, it's very weird. It's weird booking. Um, I'm not exactly sure what led to this decision, but I have read reports that he does rub people the wrong way. I know he asked uh, backstage. He had an angle where he had a little person come out dressed as Daniel Bryan. He was supposed to kick him in the face. Uh, he asked backstage if he could go ahead and continue to attack him after he kicks him to sort of get more heat, get more booze. And everybody said, no, absolutely not. Just hit the big boot. That's it. So then he hit the big boot and then did go ahead and attack him, which I think is dumb. It's either it's easier to ask for you know, beg forgiveness than ask permission. So he should have just either done it and shown the initiative and maybe it would have worked out and if not, he could apologize or ask, they say no and then don't do it. So to ask, they say no and then do it anyways is blatant, blatantly a disregard for authority and just disrespectful to his superiors. 
Uh, I've heard other reports of him being drunk and disorderly uh, with the crew backstage and things like that. I guess he just is a lot like his ex-partner, uh, Enzo Amore, and just rubs people the wrong way. So anyways, he's gone now. Uh, Ronda Rousey wrestled for the Women's Championship against Nia Jax. Great showing from Ronda Rousey. She really showed some character work. She was selling her ass off. Made Nia look like an imposing force. Even though Nia necessarily isn't great in the ring either. Ronda Rousey, uh, it was a slow build. They told a good story with it of she just, no matter what she does, she can't get it. Uh, she can't get an upper hand on Nia Jax. The only thing she had to fall back on was her armbar. So she kept going for the armbar and Nia would power out. She'd go for the armbar and Nia would power out. Finally, she gets on a tear, starts doing shoot legitimate judo throws, whipping Nia Jax all over the goddamn ring. Finally gets in the, the armbar position. She's sinking it in, sinking it in, breaks Nia's grip and is holding her arm talking shit like, I'm going to break your fucking arm now, I guess. Um, then as she's about to lay it in, Alexa Bliss rolls out, who won the earlier in the night women's money in the bank match, which was not good, by the way, just a lot of miscues. Alexa Bliss won that, used it in the same night, beats the shit out of Ronda Rousey with the briefcase, beats Nia Jax with the briefcase, cashes in, pins Nia, wins the belt. Um, so the match was over. Ronda wasn't in the match anymore because it ended via disqualification, so the match didn't continue, like I mentioned earlier, would normally happen if you cashed in during a match. Anyways, uh, so now she's champ. The next night on Raw, Ronda Rousey confronts her. She talks a lot of shit to Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey attacks Alexa Bliss, beats the hell out of her. Um, then Kurt Angle goes to grab Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey judo tosses him. She's throwing everyone around. She's beating everyone with the Money in the Bank briefcase. So now they have gone on record to say, okay, Ronda Rousey's suspended for 30 days. This, obviously, it's not real. It's wrestling. I think this is smart booking. They make her look like an anti-authority badass, like Stone Cold or Roddy Piper back in the day. She got her shit in. She made Alexa look completely under, you know, underskill or undermatched. She made everyone look like she can just toss whoever she wants around with the exception of Nia Jax. So them suspending her, kayfabe suspending, and getting her off TV for the next month gives her more time to develop in the ring, more time to train, and more time to sort of keep that dollar value associated with her name. Similar to Brock Lesnar, the more you keep Ronda Rousey off TV, whenever you bring her back, it's going to be a big deal. She's going to bring in viewers, she's going to bring in money when she's on TV, people are going to stick around and watch it. So it's I think it's very smart, and it also keeps her and Alexa Bliss apart, Rather than, okay, well, rightfully so, storyline perspective, Ronda Rousey would be next in line for the championship, and she would steamroll Alexa Bliss. But they don't want to put the belt on her too soon, so she is going to have to work her way up through the ranks of the women's division. And I think it's smart booking. Uh, that's all I really wanted to touch on wrestling-wise, is Ronda Rousey suspended, Cass is fired, and Braun Strowman is the equivalent of giving Jason Voorhees a fucking nuclear bomb. Uh, now he's just so overpowered, he doesn't need it. The man ran through a fucking ladder, might I add, in the Money in the Bank match. Two dudes ran at him with a ladder, and he shoulder tackled through the ladder, breaking it and knocking the two guys down. He doesn't need a briefcase, he's a fucking weapon. He can win the belt on his own. I'm just gonna keep ranting about this if I don't switch subjects. So, news broke this morning, uh, Star Wars is fucked. Not fucked, but... Solo did less than less than ideal in the box office. Uh, the domestic total 
for the movie um, since launch is only $196 million, which I know to any of us, that's a lot of money, $196 million, but it's not what they wanted back. The opening weekend only did $84 million, and to put that, put that into perspective, The Incredibles 2, which is a children's movie, did $180 million first weekend. So $100 million more than a Star Wars movie about arguably the most popular character in the Star Wars universe. They definitely lost a lot of money on this, and I think that is why Star Wars went out and voice today that all future standalone films are on hold uh, for the time being so that they can put all of their attention onto the actual episodic additions to the Star Wars storyline. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like they were just dealt a bad beat for this uh, as it's kind of, okay, so you take the most iconic character and recast him. He doesn't have force powers, so you know it's not going to be any crazy flip-de-doo battles or fight scenes. You build a movie off nostalgia for a large part of it. It's nostalgia. It's, that's a Millennium Falcon. Look, it's Lando. Look, it's Chewie. It's very much that. Um, do I think the movie was bad? No. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought Aiden Einreich did a great job for what it is. He did a good job. Amelia Clark was wonderful. Donald Glover killed it. The movie was great. It's just timing. Don't put a movie out in the summer season when you know Infinity War is coming out and you know Deadpool 2 is coming out and you know all of these fucking huge movies are coming out. That's dumb. You have your time of the year. December is Star Wars. December is always Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Everywhere you look around Christmas, it's Christmas decorations and Star Wars shit. Stick to December. Don't put out two Star Wars movies in like a six-month span. Especially when there's no way they didn't know that The the Last Jedi was going to be divisive, to say the least. So give us a year to digest that before we want another Star Wars movie. Put it out in December, and I honestly think this movie breaks even. I think this movie turns a good profit. It's just a victim of timing, and it's a victim of it had a lot of things going against it. Uh, who's the villain for Han Solo? One would say, okay, it's probably Boba Fett. No, don't even have Boba Fett in it. If you give us a trailer with Boba Fett and Han Solo, Chewbacca, Lando, and Millennium Falcon, you are fucking printing your own money. But instead, they do an original villain who I thought Dryden Voss was perfect. Uh, Paul Bettany did a great job. It's just, you're making it harder for yourself when you do this movie. Granted, there was absolutely a surprise cameo in that movie that I popped for and I was very excited about, and I don't want to spoil it. I know me and my friend Drew did a spoiler cast on Solo, but if you haven't seen it yet, I don't want to spoil anything. The character that they have in it is definitely, or was meant to be a big instrumental part in the future of these standalone anthology movies, but with this being on hold, I find that very weird now. It's, it's, if we have to wait five years before we get a spinoff movie, this character might not even fucking be in shape to be in the movie. Like, the actor looks like he's just let himself go. So, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. And I think that any other standalone, you're printing money. If you do the Kenobi movie, uh, Ewan McGregor said he would do it. Ewan McGregor is the character, so it's not going to be a weird 
shocking thing on screen to see a big character we love played by someone else because it's the same actor. He's in the age where you can still play it. And there's so many cool things you can do on Tatooine or just period between episode three and episode four with Obi-Wan and sort of do like an old man Logan tale about how he's old and he's on the run and he's lost his faith and just, oh my God, that movie would be great. But now we probably won't get it, at least not for a long time. And that just straight up sucks. On the topic of cinema, I do want to talk about another movie that has been uh, divisive to say the least. And that movie is Hereditary. So Hereditary is a horror film put out by A24 Studios who, in my honest opinion, just can't miss. They Everything they do is just amazing. I loved It Comes at Night. I loved The Witch. They're just killing it. So, Hereditary is a very weird movie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's it's weird, but it's good. Uh, it follows the story of a family. The grandmother passes away before the movie starts, and it's kind of everyone coping with that. It's weird stuff happens to the kids. Uh, it, it It's just, it, it's perfect. The way that they build tension is perfect. The score is amazing. Uh, it's very unsettling at times. It's 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 psychological at times. It's just great. It's killing it. Uh, it's getting good reviews. Critics are raving about it. Um, I loved it. A lot of people are not liking it, and I don't necessarily understand why that is. Um, it does take a bit to get going, but... That's what you sign up for when you go see an A24 movie, I think. So I'm not exactly sure why anybody is surprised by that. Um, It's not exactly beat over your head with the plot the whole time either, which I like. Uh, It definitely keeps you guessing until probably, I'd say, the last third of the movie. And then you sort of start piecing together things, and it does a lot of callbacks to earlier where you're like, oh, that makes sense now because of this. And it's really good. The, it, the, I found the story was very well written. Uh, that being said, I do think there are some silly scenes, uh, effects-wise. But for what it is, like, I'll take it. Um, for an A24 horror movie, stuff doesn't happen that much in most of the other movies. Like, it comes at night, a few things happen, but there's, like, the slow build crescendo at the end where shit actually pops off. Same with the witch. Whereas this one, like stuff kind of happens every, every, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Something really weird will happen. That's, that's entertaining and uh, high energy and gets your blood pumping. So I don't understand where people are coming from when they say they don't like it. They say that it's predictable, which bullshit. No, it's not. They say it's very, um, it doesn't make sense. The story doesn't make sense, which it does. It's really hard to talk about without spoiling the movie, and I don't want to do that since it's only been out for a few weeks. But uh, I would recommend going to see Hereditary. It's it's great. It's been doing good at the box office as well. Just word of mouth alone has been um, doing wonders for this movie. I've heard tales of people in theaters crying and you know leaving the movie before it's over. Uh, I got fucked up a few times just from like imagery alone. It's... It's good. Go go see it. It's very good. The the acting is beautiful. Um everyone in the movie does an amazing job. Uh specifically though, Tony Collette just knocks it out of the park. Millie Shapiro, it's her first um I believe it's her first role. 
she does great. She does a really good job of being, like, unsettlingly fine. She is an innocent character, but she's, like, weird and just, I don't know, it's great. Uh, everyone else, Gabriel, or Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolf, everyone knocks it out of the park in this movie. So, yeah, that movie's still in theaters. It's pretty pretty new from what I remember. I think it came out in May. So, I would definitely recommend going to see Hereditary. So, that's for the most part, all I wanted to talk about, um, doing a callback to last episode as well, there are tickets out for Hallfest, as I said, um, myself and the members of Contempt actually have tickets for sale, so if you'd like to get tickets and support that new Gatineau Metal Hardcore Fest, please don't hesitate to contact myself, Nick, Craig, or Jeff, we'll have tickets for that, um, the full lineup will be out very soon, but like I mentioned, we got... My band Contempt, but then we also have Inherent, Just Ice from Ramuski, who are the homies, and I love them dearly. We have Sworn Enemy from New York Hardcore. Just they're the they're some hard hitting like father what what's that fucking phrase people say? The the godfathers or whatever of New York Hardcore from that same era of like Irene and Everybody Gets Hurt and Billy Club Sandwich. So they're always fun to play with and they're always fun to see. Uh, definitely come out to that fest and support Simon and the rest of those guys. They're doing a lot of good things for the Gatineau scene. It's going to be a lot of fun to play a new venue as well, Tonic Bar. I looked it up, and it's a very cool place. That takes place at the end of August, so please hit me up if you want a ticket. I can meet up anywhere in the city. Also, for any topics that people think that would be entertaining to hear me talk about or rant about, I'm always looking for new stuff to sort of weigh in on so that I can sort of break out of talking about what I know and what I predominantly enjoy, like wrestling, movies, games, music, all that shit. So please feel free to drop into my Twitter DMs, either at Lance underscore Crowder or the View From Below PC. Um, thank you so much for the support on Ready Up. I've gotten a lot of good feedback, and the play count is a lot higher than I expected. So that's fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing that. And I also have news that I can't quite talk about yet, but it does regard the Rebel Radio thing that I spoke about a few episodes ago. So I'm very excited to talk to you all about that. So with that being said, this has been A View From Below. Thanks so much for checking it out and the support. And enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, it's very nice and hot out in Cardinal, Ontario. So I'm going to go take a swim. Fuck yeah, stay real. Stay real.